uh, well, then I'll just do this one. <laughs> like no one said, no, we don't have, we don't have anything. Uh, so we are 36, 36 days, uh, in theory, away from the baby. Um, that's French for the baby. And uh, we have... Um, we haven't read any books yet on how to raise a boy. Um, we read a couple of books whenever our first child, um, Clara, was born, and we found that unless the book you buy comes with a baby, it doesn't prepare you for raising a baby. Like, it just, there's nothing anyone can say um, that's, I mean, the, you get advice all the time about um, when you, especially when you're first uh, expecting to have, you're expecting your first child, you get advice about, well, well, this needs to, you need to do this or you need to do that. I had a woman one time tell me, there's going to be a lot of people that tell you to put a coat on that baby. And as soon as you do, there's going to be a lot of people tell you to take that coat off that baby and you just need to do whatever you think's best. Don't listen to anybody. Uh, and, and even more so, when you have your second child, you realize that it's not just, there's not universal advice. There's, there's advice that works, that would be a good advice if you were talking about Clara, and there's good advice if you're talking about Macy, but there's some advice that if you just apply it to both of them, it wouldn't really work out all that well. Um, and so we are expecting a boy, and this is new to us, and we might blow it, but hopefully... We're going to do well, and hopefully we're going to um, uh, raise him, raise Nolan in a way that um, he is self-confident, but not arrogant, and um, emotionally healthy, and um, stable in his faith in Jesus. And that takes a lot of work, and you really cannot prepare for it by reading words on a page. You have to get him here have to find out his personalities, going to have to learn with him, grow together, and sometimes the words just won't do it. How many of you have not, how many of you have not seen the ocean? Okay, okay, James, here we go. All right, some of us. Um, some of you older than me have not seen the ocean. I saw the ocean for the first time when I was 21 or 22. Um, down in Gulf Shores, Alabama. And to describe the, uh, the ocean to you is easy, right? It's really easy just with words to say, here's what the ocean's like. It's water and it goes on forever. There you go. Water that goes on as far as the eye can see. There's not much more to describe about seeing the ocean than that. It's water, there's sand, there's water, and the water goes as far as you can see. But those of you who have seen the ocean know that just saying that doesn't do it justice, does it? Like we can pack, picture that in our head, but just seeing it doesn't do it justice. Those of you who have done something fantastic... Has anyone ever um, jumped out of a plane? Jane Reader, I know. I knew I could handle... You're, you're serious, right? Okay, yes. With a parachute... Okay. Twice. He's done it twice. Two parachutes. Okay. Yeah, you got to... Okay. 
Um, but, like, when you jump out of a plane, there's not much to describe. You jump, you fall, you fall slower, and then you land on the ground. There's not a whole lot of descriptiveness in the process, but that's, that really doesn't do it justice, does it, Shane? Uh, no. <laughs> so when, sometimes when we get into just the words and descriptions of things, we aren't quite describing it all that well, and we're not even preparing ourselves all that well, because in the end, just words don't do much. They just don't accomplish very much at all. Jesus shows up in Luke for the first time after his resurrection. Last week, remember, he, the, the tomb was empty, but we never saw Jesus last week. The tomb was empty. He shows up as two men are heading back home. Um, Cleopas and his friend on the road from Jerusalem to Emmaus. And when he shows up, They are heading home. And that's interesting to me. Because if if the guy you had been following had died on a cross, had been buried for quite a while, or for, for three days, and then on Sunday some women said, we went to the tomb and the tomb was empty and some angels said that we are that he is risen, and we came back here to tell y'all, and then Peter runs to the, to the tomb, and he sees it's empty, and he's just confused, because they, what they, they thought what the women was saying, that, that that was nonsense. I'm not saying that the Bible says that, so that's, I'm not, that's not that's easy. Um, thought the women were talking nonsense. And now, they, they just decided to go home. Now, if you really believed that the guy you had been following who had just died on a cross three days prior and now the tomb was empty, if you really believed that the tomb was empty because he stood up off of the, stood up and walked out of the tomb, if that's what you believed, would you be like, well, I'm going home? <laughs> there would no, you wouldn't leave. Like, if you were over at somebody's house and they said, and you, they lived seven miles away and you said, um, uh, and they said, you know what? My friend who died came back to life and he's coming over. <laughs> you have two options. You can either say, oh, cool. Yeah, I believe you. Bring him on. Or I think I'm going to go home. There's no middle ground here. Either you believe that there was a resurrection or you don't believe there was a resurrection. There's no middle ground, nothing in between. So they're going home. What does that say about what they believe? I think it says that they don't really think that he's alive. None of the disciples believed that he was alive. Just the women. Just the women. And Jesus happens upon these two guys as they're heading home. Luke 24 verse 13 says, now, the same day, the two of, now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. 
They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. Uh, this is just by God. This wasn't, they weren't failing to recognize him. They were just kept from recognizing him. And so Jesus, during this whole time, had to keep a straight face. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? And Jesus says, What things? They replied, About Jesus of Nazareth. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But he had hoped that he was the but we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning but didn't find the body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. This is what happened today, they say. We were with Jesus and he doesn't, we, we haven't seen him. I mean, if he's resurrected, why haven't we seen him? 25, he said to them, how foolish you are. And how slow to believe. When he says foolish, I want to add, uh, that's not as harsh of a, of a declaration against them than if I called you foolish. Um, a little severity is added when you translate it from the Greek to the English. So don't, he's not being a jerk here. How foolish you are and how slow to believe that all, all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses... And all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. Moving on. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going farther. This is, by the way, just a side note, this is the only time in the Bible Jesus pretends. This is the funniest thing. This is interesting to me that he says, well, I'm just... Oh, you want to stay? Well, yeah, 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 sure, it's fine, yeah. Pretended like he was going farther. I just, that just strikes me as interesting. You, don't have, you can just forget I said that. But they urged him strongly. Stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. The reason they didn't want him going on any further, because if the day is over, night falls, your, your uh, chances of getting robbed or murdered just skyrocket at night on these roads. So if you're going from Jerusalem to um, Emmaus or even on further, um, once the sun goes down, it becomes quite, more, uh, quite a bit more dangerous. And so they say, stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were open, they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. Poof. They ask each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? So, Jesus 
gives these two men, uh, as they're walking along the road from Jerusalem to Emmaus, he gives them a Bible study, a little course on why all the things that needed to happen had happened, on why Jesus had to be crucified and how, why he had to resurrect and, and showed them everything that needed uh, in the Bible that pointed to the events happening. Now, two things were happening while this was happening. While Jesus was on his way with these men to Emmaus, explaining everything, giving them the words they needed to hear. Two things were happening. One, their hearts were burning within them. Bible study can do that to you. Finding out new information and um, figuring, uh, oh wow, this is actually how it was supposed to be, and so on and so forth can, can really spark a flame in you to learn more, to hear more. The second thing that was happening is they were still walking home. You would think that if Jesus says, oh, this had to happen, and here's why, starting with Moses, the prophets, see, Jesus is alive. You think just purely the information, just the words on the page, you would think that would move them, because sometimes we act as though that's the only thing that can move people. Let's quote Scripture to them. Let's show them in Scripture. Let's just be biblical and we will move the masses. But even a Bible study from Jesus couldn't get two men on the road to Emmaus to turn around and head back to their home. They didn't turn. And they didn't move. But then he was breaking bread with them and in, in Luke, this has all sorts of implications because in, uh, earlier on in Luke, he feeds, he feeds, the, fi- feeds the thousands, breaks bread with them. Um, they, don't, they don't know he's the Messiah. They think he's somebody else. He breaks bread with them uh, or teaches them, breaks bread with them, and their eyes are opened. They, and then Peter says, you're the Messiah. Um, and then later on, he is telling them about what's going to happen. He's breaking bread with them. This is what we call the Lord's Supper. And then now here he has a, um, a scene in which he's breaking bread with people and all of a sudden again, just like the feeding of the thousands, they, they go from not seeing, even though they've been taught, to believing because of the breaking of the bread. And they break the bread and they, uh, they realize that Jesus was with us. He's alive, and I know he's alive because he is with us right now. And look what they did next. They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem, braving the darkness of the roads. They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, It is true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two of... And, and, then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus w- was recognized by them when he broke the bread. Or how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. Notice what they didn't say. 
Notice they didn't say, we have a new understanding of Scripture that's going to change your world. This man that turned out to be Jesus taught us clearly and plainly, and man, we got it down. Uh, We know everything about the Word of God that is now going to convince everyone around us that Jesus is alive. Their message to the other disciples, their message that moved them was not a correct understanding of Scripture, but it was seeing Jesus in the room. And sometimes when we talk about being biblical, like we're going we're gonna to get everything in the Bible right, and we're going to do everything just like the Bible tells us, that's not being biblical. Being biblical is following the one and living like the one the Bible points to. Being biblical is acting and living and loving and serving like Jesus. That's biblical. And we can get all the information right. We can have all the little details um, figured out. All the dots eyed and the T's crossed. I know I messed that up. It was for effect. I saw it as it was coming out of my my mouth and I said, just let it fly. We We can... we can have it all together and still have it all wrong because the, the, we, we miss living and loving and serving and acting like Jesus. So what if we've got it all figured out? So what if we've got our Bible completely understood? If when people don't see us, they don't, when people see us, they don't see Jesus in the room, we're not Biblical. If when people see us, they don't see the resurrected Savior. Who cares if we've got it all figured out? Who cares if we've got it all right? What moves people is not a good, solid Bible study. Although that's fun, that's helpful. It can can help our lives by studying the Bible. What moves people is not a good pamphlet. We don't have a shelf full of pamphlets here. Thank the Lord. I once saw a pamphlet that said, why the Bible should be our only resource. Which cracked me up because it was a pamphlet (laughs) about why the Bible should be our only resource. We, we think, here, take this, and then you will be, as long as you can understand the facts, you'll somehow then be biblical. As long as you can understand the doctrines, then somehow you, are, you, you can be viewed and seen as biblical. As long as you do the right sorts of things in the one hour of the week that apparently matters, that's when you're biblical. And that's foolishness. Because what matters is our being present with people and them seeing Jesus in the room. They might not know it's Jesus in the room at first, but you break bread with them enough, they will know. 
They might not know that you are, that, that you are, what you are doing is representing Jesus, but you eat and commune and live in their world enough. They will know, they won't, you won't have to quote it. They'll ask. And you won't have to tell them to change. They'll just turn and they'll run to where they need to be. You be Jesus to people long enough, it'll change them. And I think that, at its core, is, is what evangelism is about. Have you ever known anybody who knew their Bible frontward and backward? Which is really unnecessary, people. You just need to know it frontward. <laughs> Have you ever known anybody who knew their Bible just from cover to cover, man could quote you this and that, and they were just a clean jerk? I, I will take that as a Yes. I've never known anybody like that. That's a lie. But <laughs> just mean, can be mean. Even with their Bible knowledge, can be mean. I would, I would think that if we know Jesus, we truly know Jesus, I think that results in kindness. I think that results in mercy. I think that results in love. We can know all the words, we can read all the books, we can have all the stuff figured out, but unless we're living it, unless we're Jesus in the room where we go, I don't think that's biblical. And I don't think it's helping. Actually, I think just the word, just the arguments, just the doctrines, just the dogmas, without the love and mercy and the presence of Jesus, I think it's not just not helpful, I think it's hurtful. It does damage. The Bible is never without justice and mercy together. We speak the truth in love, and what that looks like is being the presence and the person and following the Messiah Jesus of Nazareth. And if people can look at me and they can look at Jesus and they'll say, well, those two aren't the same. We may know the same things. We may have all the right understandings of all the same things, exactly what a church should look like. But unless they can see my life and the life of Jesus somehow at some point overlapping and me looking like him, man, it doesn't matter what I know. It just doesn't matter. We need to be a people who love our Bibles, love the Word of God. I mean, notice Jesus didn't just dismiss it. He, he taught it. And it's not unimportant. But we don't need to be a people who stop feeling good with ourselves and lay our heads down not in Emmaus, not having seen Jesus. We don't need to be a people content with just information. We need to be a people who long for the relationship of Jesus in our lives and, and, and long for the relationship, uh, bringing Jesus into the relationships we have with others. I think that's being biblical. And it wasn't until Jesus. Listen, do you think you can give a Bible study better than Jesus? No? Okay. Good. 
But it wasn't until Jesus showed him his presence, showed them his presence. That's what got them moving. And I, I think that's what will get other people moving as well. You could just show them Jesus. We're doing Bread of Life this Tuesday, Sunshine Club on Wednesday. We have a, I don't know, I, I missed a lot of the announcements because I was, um, but we, did we announce about the fire um, victim? The, okay, we have a, a friend of Andrew's, they were, their, their house burnt down and um, we're trying to look for clothes for them. Um, size 12, size 13, is that right? Um, two boys or boy and girl? Okay, one boy, two girls. Um, Get with Andrew if you, if, you have, if you can help with that. But when we go to those people and we hand them the clothes, we don't say, okay, real quick, have you seen Acts 2.38? Because it says the word I like to say. We don't hand them the clothes and say, quickly, I mean, Jesus has got to be, before, before we give you this, No. Because Jesus came and gave us something before we ever claimed him back. And we're not going to give like that, in the opposite way. We're not going to give only on conditions. Because Jesus really didn't send me a message and give me any conditions before he died on the cross for me. I think people in things like um, the, the, the food pantry and things like um, bread of life and then also with uh, sunshine club and just helping people who need help that's people find Jesus there and when they ask we have we have the scripture but they're going to have to see Jesus in the room before they let us put Jesus in their head so be that people this week be it, be Jesus in the room whenever you're eating with your family. Be Jesus in the room when you're at work. Be Jesus in the room at school. You want to you wanna influence the people around you. You need to be Jesus wherever you are. And that may make you say, well, Benjamin, if I do that, I'm going to get walked all over. You might get crucified, yes, that's right. You might become, become vulnerable. But Jesus didn't come to us to be secure or safe. He came to make himself known, make himself vulnerable, make himself broken for us. And in submitting like that, he became king. Let people see Jesus in the rooms that you are in through your life. I think that will change your relationships. I think it will change your life. If you need anything, if you want to respond to this resurrected Savior and unite with him through baptism, if you want to join um, us as we try to be Jesus um, in this community, or if you just need prayers to be a better representative representative of Jesus in your marriage or at your work or wherever.
we want to pray with you, we want to work with you, we want to talk with you, we want to, we want to commit you to Christ today. Whatever you need, please come forward while we stand and sing.